If you enroll as a freshman in college, take a bunch of classes, but then drop out in the middle of your sophomore year, will you graduate? If your football team plays uh, really well for the first half and jump out to a 21-0 lead in your football game, but at halftime, you decide to forfeit the game, will you still get the win? If you've decided that you want to work to reduce the debt that you have, and so you've decided you've gotten yourself on this plan and you're going to work really hard, and you've been saving and trying to pay off debt, and you've paid off so far 40% of your debt, but then you decide it's really too much work to keep doing this, and so you stop saving and you stop making debt payments, will you be debt-free? If you're on a road trip on the way to Boston and you stop to spend the night in Cleveland, and the next morning you don't get up and get back in your car and keep driving to Boston, will you make it to Boston? If you begin a journey of faith with Jesus, but then stop, will you make it to God's heavenly rest? Please take your Bible and turn to the book of Hebrews. Book of Hebrews. We're actually going to be in Hebrews 2 to begin, and that's on page 968 in the church Bible. So if you don't have a Bible, love for you to grab one from underneath your seat or in the rack in front of you. And if you turn to page 968, you'll be in the book of Hebrews, chapter 2. And what we're going to do this morning is we think about the question if you begin a journey of faith with Jesus, but then do not keep going with him, will you enter God's heavenly rest? Will you make it to heaven? We're going to look at a number of passages in Hebrews that all fit together around this theme. We're ultimately going to end up in Hebrews 5 and 6, but we want to kind of get the tone in the context of a number of passages that fit towards this theme and help us to answer that question. And we're going to begin in Hebrews chapter 2. So Hebrews chapter 2, listen as I read the first couple of verses of chapter 2. We, meaning Christians, must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, that's referring to the Old Testament law, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment. How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? Turn over or look over to Hebrews 3, verse 12. See to it, brothers and sisters, speaking of Christians, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 10.
Hebrews chapter 10. Listen as I read, starting in verse 26. But if we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 25. Hebrews 12, verse 25. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, speaking of the Old Testament nation of Israel, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? If you begin a journey of faith with Jesus, but then do not continue on that journey, will you make it to God's heavenly rest? Turn over to Hebrews chapter 5. This is where we're going to be spending our time this morning, Hebrews 5 verse 11, all the way through Hebrews 6 verse 12. But I wanted to give us a sense through all of those different passages in Hebrews how these all fit together with the question and the passage we're going to be looking at this morning. You see, as we've been going through the book of Hebrews, we've been talking about the fact that Hebrews is about being on a journey of faith, that it's about going on a journey of faith. First of all, it's about Jesus' journey of faith, but secondly, it's about our journey of faith. And we've talked about in the book of Hebrews that if you keep going with Jesus, you don't have anything to fear. The journey ends well. <clears throat> We've talked about the fact that Jesus became one of us so that he might open the way for this journey so that we can fix our eyes on him, so that we can follow him. He became one of us so he might set us free from the fear that death creates, the fear that separation from God creates in our life. We've talked about the fact that at the end of the journey, if you keep going, is God's heavenly rest that we rest from our work and that God in heaven takes care of us and it's a beautiful picture of where we're headed towards. We've talked about on the journey of faith how God has given us his word and that his word does stuff to us to transform us, to help change us into being people who can be successful on this journey. We've talked about the fact that on our journey of faith at any time, for any reason, we can come to the throne of grace that we might receive grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. All of these things are beautiful. They're encouraging. They're helpful to have us keep going on the journey. 
but we would not be true to God's word. If we didn't also warn us and warn ourselves that if you do not keep going on the journey, you will not make it to the destination. That's what all of those passages you just heard from Hebrews, and that's the one we're going to look at this morning, really focuses on and emphasizes. If you do not keep going on the journey, you will not make it to your destination. Now before we look at Hebrews chapter 5 and 6, which talk about this, you're not going to be able to understand Hebrews 5 and 6 if I don't first set up what's going on from a metaphor point of view. What I mean by that is, when the Bible talks about salvation, it uses a number of different word pictures to help us visualize or imagine what's going on when we talk about salvation. All of these word pictures are true, but they come at salvation from different points of view. One framework or one set of ways in which we view salvation, the metaphors that we use for it, really focus on the sort of on, off, yes or no, in or out point of view that goes along with being a Christian. What I mean by that, if you take the language of being born again that the Bible uses, well, you're either born again or you're not born again. Or if you talk about being adopted by God, you're either adopted into God's family or you're not adopted into God's family. When we talk about the forgiveness of sins, you're either forgiven or you're not forgiven. When we talk about justification, you've either been declared not guilty or you haven't yet been declared not guilty. We talk about redemption, you're either saved from Satan's sin and death and rescued from the kingdom of darkness or you've not yet been saved from Satan's sin and death and rescued from the kingdom of darkness. When we talk about you're either baptized by the Holy Spirit and placed into the body of Christ, or you've not been baptized by the Holy Spirit and placed into the body of Christ. That set of way of looking at salvation is all absolutely true, but it really focuses on the in or out, the yes or no aspect of salvation. And it's true. If you've been born again, you can't be unborn again. But the problem is, is there are another set of metaphors that come at the idea of salvation, not from a yes or no, in or out, are you in, are you not point of view, but from the idea of a journey. The idea that we're on a journey and that you must keep going. For example, there are sports metaphors in the Bible. Take, for example, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Therefore, I do not run like someone, aimless, someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul's not talking about here about whether he's born again or not born again. What he's talking about here is that the Christian life for him is a race. And he started well and he's running, but he has to keep going because otherwise he'll get disqualified for the prize. There are also agricultural metaphors or images that the Bible uses. Like in Romans chapter 11. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted. 
but they were broken off because of unbelief. And you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, meaning Christians, provided that you continue in his kindness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And again, the imagery here is of something that is growing. And when you talk about a plant or something that's growing, you don't say, well, it's either grown or it's not grown. We talk about a process of growing. Another set of metaphors that the Bible uses is that of human growth or maturity. That's what we have in Hebrews chapter 5. Look down there with me, verse number 11. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. The metaphor, the language here is that of human growth and maturation. And the point is, it's not enough simply to be born as a human. You have to keep growing. You have to mature. You have to become more mature. And the point is, is that at some point you stop, you're not going to reach maturity. If you've maxed out at sort of a five-year-old level of maturity and you don't go forward anymore, you're not going to get to the point of being an adult. Looking at what the author of Hebrews is saying then from those kinds of metaphors, leaving aside the idea, are you born again or not born again? Are you adopted by God, not adopted by God? Leaving aside the are you in or are you out set of way of looking at it. Hear what the author of Hebrews is saying from a journey point of view, a journey of faith, the sports metaphors, the agricultural metaphors, the human growth metaphors, the maturity. Listen to what he says, chapter 6. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, that's baptism that we saw this morning, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. The point is, is that someone you've got to leave behind some of the elementary teachings and you've got to keep moving forward into deeper truths. But now comes a section that has caused people an innumerable amount of difficulties. And to be honest with you, I have a, had a lot of trouble with the verses you're about to hear until I realized or until I read them from a journey point of view. When I read them from a are you in or are you out point of view, they confused me completely. When I read them from a we're on a journey and you must keep going on the journey, then they made sense. Verse four, it is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. 
To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Now, one of the problems with the book of Hebrews or with any, any book that we're preaching through here on a Sunday morning at Calvary is that we take a little bit, <clears throat> then we got a week off, and we come back and we get a little bit more. That introduces an artificial amount of distance between sections in the book of Hebrews or any book that we're preaching through that if you simply started at the beginning and kept reading, wouldn't be there. <clears throat> what I mean by that is if you opened up the book of Hebrews and you started in chapter 1 and you kept reading you would realize that chapters 5 and 6 are very closely related to chapters 3 and 4. <clears throat> that in the reading through there, you would just keep going, and the same themes that you were talking about in chapters 3 and 4, you would keep talking about or thinking about in chapters 5 and 6. Chapters 3 and 4 are about the story of the nation of Israel and about how Israel in the Old Testament was on a journey with God that began in Egypt and was meant to end in the promised land. And when you think about what's being said in chapter 6 in terms of a journey, specifically in terms of the journey of Israel, suddenly what's being put here makes a lot more sense. For example, <clears throat> those who have once been enlightened. This can be a reference to the fact that Israel on their journey from Egypt to the promised land were being led by a pillar of fire that enlightened or illumined their path. Those who have tasted the heavenly gift can be a reference to the fact that Israel on their way from Egypt to the promised land were fed with a gift from heaven, bread that came down from heaven, manna that gave them life. Who have shared in the Holy Spirit can be a reference to Numbers chapter 11 where God's spirit was said to be on Moses and then God's spirit was placed on the leaders of Israel so that the leaders might help guide them from Egypt to the promised land who have tasted of the goodness of the word of God. On their way from Egypt to the promised land, Israel stops at Mount Sinai where they received the law, the word of God, and they tasted and saw that the law was good. And the powers of the coming age. This is a reference to the fact that in the Old Testament era, the, the greatest era of God's miraculous, supernatural, heavenly powers happened between Egypt and the promised land. Ten plagues, Passover, parting of the Red Sea, manna coming down from heaven, water coming from a rock, God speaking audibly on Mount Sinai, that in the time of the miraculous heavenly powers, it was happening uh, in the best possible way for Israel on their journey from Egypt to the promised land. Land that drinks in the water, verse 7. That's the exact language from Deuteronomy 11 about the promised land that Israel is headed towards. Lands that, land that produces thorns and thistles, that's the wilderness where Israel ended up. And the point is, is you've got to hear what's being said in Hebrews 6 in terms of the idea of a journey, specifically thinking about the nation of Israel. Israel was brought out of Egypt and led on a journey and they were enlightened by God and they tasted of the goodness of God and they saw God's power at work and God's law was given to them and God's spirit was with them. But the problem was is that they did not make it to the promised land. 
because they stopped. They didn't keep going with God. And the point of the author of Hebrews is the same warning is for you and I. We just celebrated baptism. It's such a beautiful, amazing picture. But the warning is, baptism is the beginning of the journey. You must keep going with God on the journey of faith or you will not make it to the destination. That's the point. The author of Hebrews is saying, look at Israel. Look what happened to them. They started out with God. They had everything going for them, but they refused to keep going. Did they make it? No. And this is a warning, a very real warning to those of us here this morning who claim to be Christians. All of us who claim to be Christians have seen God's word at work. We've seen the Holy Spirit doing things among people around us. We've watched God do miraculous things. We've tasted of God's goodness. We've seen his generosity and his provision. All of us have begun a journey of faith. But the point is, if you do not keep going on the journey of faith, you will not make it to heaven. You will not make it to the promised land. Now this raises two questions. One, how do I know if I'm in danger? (laughs) If this is a genuine warning, am I being warned? And then two, what about people that I love who have stopped journeying? What about people that I love who claim to be Christians but have wandered from the truth? Let's take the first question first. How do I know if this warning is for me? How do I know if I'm in danger? There are three warning signs in this passage. Three warning signs that the author of Hebrews says, look, if you see these things in your life, this warning is for you. First one, verse 11 of chapter five. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. You no longer try to understand. The people that the author of Hebrews is writing to, at one point they were interested in learning about Christianity, they were interested in learning about Jesus, but they've reached the point where they no longer want to know anything more about God. They've reached the point to say, hey look, we just want heaven, we're not interested in anything else. Just tell us the little bit that we need to know in order to get to heaven. We can be like that as well. If you find yourself in a place where you're like, look, I just don't care about all this Christianity stuff. I don't care about, just tell me the little bit that I need to know. That's a warning sign. Now listen, you may be new in the faith and you may say, well, I don't know hardly anything. That's no problem at all. But if you have no interest in growing, if you have no interest in learning, if you don't care about who God is, if you don't care about Jesus, if you don't care about growing in your knowledge of who they are, that's a problem. And the first warning sign is, is people who no longer try to understand who God is, no longer grow in their depth of knowledge. Warning sign number two, chapter six, verse eight. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. 
excuse me, in the end it will be burned. If your life is producing thorns and thistles, that's a warning sign. What that means is if your life is producing sin, if your life is producing stress, if you're constantly engaged in fighting and in strife, if you're overwhelmed with coveting or with greed, if your home life is full of chaos and you're the source of it, if you have embraced sin and you could care less about whether you're supposed to be doing it or not supposed to be doing it, if you do not display the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Now listen, none of us do that perfectly. All of us have areas in which we stumble, in which we struggle. But the point is, if you look around your life and you see that what's being produced by your life are thorns and thistles, if every email that you send is some sort of complaining email that you're sending to people in leadership or people in authority, if you constantly find yourself bickering and arguing, the point is your life is producing thorns and thistles. That's a warning. A warning. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness. And if your life is simply full of thorns and thistles, that's warning sign number two. Warning sign number three, verse 11 and 12. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end of the journey so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Spiritual laziness is the third warning sign. And specifically what that means is, in the face of suffering that all Christians go through, in the face of difficulties that's simply a part of this life, if you simply quit at the drop of a hat, if you say this whole God thing is too much, it's too difficult, that's a warning sign. If you've said, look, I just need a break from God. I just need a break from having to serve Him. It's too much. It costs me too much. It's too hard. Now listen, the Christian life is hard. There are times we all want to quit. i am quit more times than I can count in my head. But the point is, is that you've got to keep going. You've got to get back on that horse. You've got to keep moving forward. Look, laziness as opposed to faith and patience. Faith is hard. It's hard to keep believing. It's hard when you don't have evidence. It's hard when things don't go right. Patience is difficult. Lord, why? Why do we have to wait so long? But if you continue to steadfastly endure, you're just fine. But if you say, God, I'm only sticking with you if you bring my daughter back. God, I'm only going to stay with you if you make sure I don't go through any more financial crises. God, one more negative thing and I'm out. That's spiritual laziness. And that's a warning sign. If you do not keep going with Jesus on the journey of faith, you will not make it to your destination. And the warning signs of spiritual laziness of thorns and thistles in your life, of being uninterested in knowing, a growing in your depth of knowledge of who God is, these are warnings. Listen, don't harden your heart. Listen, God is warning you. How can we escape if he warns us from heaven? This is a warning, please. If you see these warning signs in your life, please, please listen. 
This is not my word. This is not my idea. If you gave me the top 10 topics I'd like to preach on, this would be one, number 1,142. This is not what I want to be up here telling you, but I am not doing God or you any favors if I don't tell you, listen, please, there are real warning signs and there are real warnings. And if you say, but I know that I was born again when I was five years old, I should be fine. Don't mix up the metaphors. We're talking about a journey. If you're on a journey of faith, you must keep going or you will not reach the destination. It can't be made any more clear or any more plain than this. Please listen. Second question. What if somebody I love has wandered from the truth? Maybe a child or a grandchild. Maybe somebody who claimed to be a Christian when we got married but after we've been married for a while, no longer seems to have any interest in Jesus. What about a friend who used to be in small group with me or somebody that we used to serve together and they've said, I'm just not interested anymore. What do you do? I mean, one of the hardest things emotionally about these passages is immediately for me, names come to mind. Real people. People that I love, people that I'm worried about. And if I don't see the warning signs in my life, I I can see them in other people sometimes. What about those people? I'd love to be able to tell you that if they prayed a prayer when they were 10 years old, don't worry, they're just fine. But I would not be being true to God's word if I said that to you. But I do think I have a piece of hope that I can give you, one that fits with what God's word says. And it's in verse number 10. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you help this people and continue to help them. The word of hope is this. God will do what is right. God will do what is right. He'll do what is right by our children, by our grandchildren, by our spouses, by our small group members. I don't know how it's all going to work out, but I do know that God will do what's right. That there are times in which all of us on our journey of faith take a detour into sin, but God does not forget the love that we have shown him or the work that we have done. God is not unjust. And all I can tell you, for the person that you love who seems to have wandered from the truth, you're going to have to trust them to God. You're going to have to trust God that he will do what is right in their situation. Now you and I, our job is to pray. Our job is to warn them. And I want you to go out from here today having heard one of the earlier passages in chapter three that says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart and tell you it's not too late. It's not too late while it's still called a day. If you know someone that you love who has wandered from the truth, it's not too late. That somebody who claims to be a Christian when they're eight and then wanders from Jesus for the next 50 years, but then at 58 comes back, it's not too late. The point is, is that if you hear his voice and you do not harden your heart, it's not too late. And so our job is to pray and our job is to warn. Listen, friends, we're not doing anybody any favors by telling them, you prayed a prayer when you were 20, you're just fine. Encourage one another while it is still today. Do not harden your hearts. 
Now, as I prayed about this sermon, I do believe that God, in wanting this sermon preached, was doing so because there are some people he was bringing here this morning to warn you that you have wandered from the truth. Now, the fact that you're here, that's a good sign. Maybe you're here because your spouse is making you be here. Maybe you're here just because it's tradition and you need to keep doing it. Maybe you're just trying to keep up appearances. Maybe you're one week away from throwing this whole thing away. Maybe you're going through suffering and you're thinking it's just not worth it. Maybe sin is so enticing or so pleasing or so enjoyable that you're ready to go wander off into that. God brought you here this morning to warn you in the strongest possible terms. That's why I read all those passages from Hebrews. That's why I read a passage from Romans and a passage from Corinthians. There are a lot more passages that I could have read. God is saying, please listen to me. If you do not keep going with Jesus on the journey, you will not make it. It is a lie from Satan to say, I'm okay, I'm fine. I made some decisions a while ago. I can go off and do my own thing. I'll still end up in my destination. Listen, if you're on the way to Boston and you stop in Cleveland and you don't get back in your car, you're not going to get to Boston. It just doesn't work that way. And if you started on a journey of faith and you experienced God's power in his word and you saw the Holy Spirit do amazing things, but you've taken a detour into sin or you've decided it costs too much or it's too hard and you haven't gotten back in your car to continue with Jesus, please hear what I'm saying. You will not make it. Please. Now listen. Today, if you hear his voice, meaning he brought you here this morning for this warning, and you do not harden your heart, and you get back on that journey, then it ends well. This is why these warnings are here, is because it's not too late. It's not too late. I don't care how long you've been hanging out in Cleveland. You get back in that car, you're gonna make it. It's probably weird that Cleveland is the essence of sin. You get the point. (laughs) If those on earth, meaning Israel, did not survive because they ignored the warnings from God who warned them over and over again, if God is warning you from heaven right now, please, please don't think you're going to make it. Please don't think you're going to. But God is gracious and merciful. Remember what we said last week? The throne of mercy and grace. The only people who do not receive mercy and grace are those who don't want it. And if you're ready to get back on the journey, if you're done with the detour, if you realize I need to stay with this, please, come back. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Look at how it ends for him. That's how it can end for you. Now for the rest of us, verse nine, I believe, is what I want to leave you with. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. The things that have to do with salvation. I'm convinced 
that most people at Calvary Church, most people that I interact with, I'm convinced of better things. I don't think this warning is for most of you. I think what this is is a warning and an encouragement. Look, keep going. But God is saying to you, he will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. I look around this church and I see people who are following Jesus. I see people who are fighting against sin. I see people who in the midst of horrendous suffering are continuing with faith and patience to keep going on this journey. And I want you to know that I'm convinced of better things in your case. And that God sees what you're doing. You're on the journey. You're going to make it. It ends well. Please don't leave here today being frightened. If you're supposed to be frightened, God should right now be frightening you. If you're not, be encouraged. Be encouraged that for most of you, I'm convinced of better things. That God is at work. You're on the journey. We all stumble. We all mess up. We all get sidetracked. But I'm watching at Calvary Church a large number of people who are walking with Jesus step by step. Be encouraged. There's a warning here that just because you've been doing it today doesn't mean you're safe for tomorrow. But don't be discouraged. God is not unjust. He sees the sacrifices. He sees your love. He sees the hard work. And it will be rewarded. Let's pray. Father, only you can decide between those who need to be warned and those who need to be encouraged. So I'm going to leave it in your hands. Lord, you brought some here today to warn them in the strongest possible terms. Lord, our culture, our age, the spirit in which we live, we want everything to be happy and good and kind and everything to be acceptable. Lord, please, right now, would you warn those who need to be warned? Would you let them know it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God? But Lord, for those who need to be encouraged, would you tell them, well done, keep going. You're making progress. You're going to arrive. Lord, I pray only you can do this, and so we ask by your spirit that you would make that differentiation. God, give us comfort for those of us who are hurting for a loved one who has wandered from the truth. Help us to dedicate ourselves to be people of prayer and to warn them God, and to trust that you are more powerful and you are stronger and that we look to you. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.